Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of History's Great Mysteries. I am your host, Nick. As always, thank you so much for listening in. I hope that while the year hasn't been very good to us, at least maybe your uh, summers are off to a good start. And if not, maybe this episode today can just maybe do a little bit to help that, because I am very excited to bring to you an event that I have been utterly perplexed by for years now. And even through all these years, I come back to this case only to find that I still do not have all the answers. The only thing I know for sure is that this is a wonderfully frustrating mystery to bring to you guys to share and revel in the beautiful unknown. So let me introduce to you a case of two mysterious deaths in Brazil in the year of 1966, a case with stranger-than-fiction circumstances surrounding it, with a central question mark revolving around two strange lead masks found at the scene. Today I will divulge to you the details and theories about the notorious lead masks case. So the fateful story begins in Brazil in 1966. More specifically, Rio de Janeiro, where reports say a young man was on a grassy hill looking for his lost kite, when he stumbled across something quite different. Two somethings quite different. The young man ran down the hill and immediately informed a police officer of what he saw. However, due to some significant weather, police were not able to investigate the hillside until the next morning. Upon the next morning's search, police were indeed able to identify and confirm the boy's story. For upon, uh, upon that hillside, they found the bodies of two men in the most peculiar of circumstances. So first off, the two men were seemingly lounged peacefully on this hillside. And when I say peacefully, I mean peacefully. They were laying in the sunshine upon a soft bed of leaves with their hands behind their heads in an utterly relaxed position. In fact, there are some reports that the boy who found them actually mistook them for men that were just actually sleeping on the hillside. But of course, the police identified them for what they were two middle-aged Brazilian men found dead with no immediate obvious cause of death. Most peculiar of all, though, was the clues found around and on the bodies. Both men were discovered upon that hillside wearing full formal suits, just um, a few items in their pockets, and then most mysterious of all, they were both found wearing these strange lead masks, which is where, uh, you know, so strange, in fact, that this is where the case got its name, the lead masks. Um, they were this strange, crudely, they were, like, it's hard to kind of describe them. They were really crudely made, made out of the metal lead, right, and these goggles that served only to cover the eyes. So if you would think of, like, a mask, like a, like a metal welding mask or something like that, where it has, like, a slit for the eyes and then metal all around, these are kind of, like, the opposite. They have metal only protecting the face over the eyes, um, and nothing else. They kind of look like these dark sunglasses that are actually just made out of lead and you can't see through them, right? Um, which, needless to say, is exceedingly strange. And the first questions that pop into your head are the same questions that popped into the head of the investigators. Who are these men? <laughs> Why are they dead? Why are they wearing suits with their hands behind their head as if nothing's wrong? Uh, why the lead masks? Also, another important question uh, why have their dead bodies been untouched by wildlife for three or so days now on this hillside? And this, according to all accounts at the time, was completely unexpected and unheard of. 
to heighten the number of question marks, there were only minimal clues found on and around the bodies. They appeared to be lying on a makeshift bed of leaves, which I alluded to earlier. There was a bottle of water at the side. Uh, they were wearing raincoats as well. And, of course, the, these strange lead masks. And lastly, a piece of paper in one of the pockets. Now, this piece of paper contained some cryptic writing, and it had some electrical math equations on it and, and some lists of instructions. And the first bit about the equations made some sense to the investigators after they discovered the two men's identities. These were the bodies of Miguel Jose Viana, 34 years old, and Manuel Pereira da Cruz, 32 years old. As is often the case in investigations like this, identification is the first step to gaining an understanding of what happened and what led to their deaths. And I mentioned that the electrical math equations made sense because these two men were partner electrical engineers. Uh, so some details about these men started to fall into place. Where they were from, what they did, their families, their hobbies, etc, etc. Eventually the police were able to get a pretty detailed roadmap of their movements and intentions um, in the days leading up to their deaths. But unlike most cases, these details, as they fell into place, actually made the case more and more bizarre. So bizarre, in fact, that the case still remains unsolved, and of course, the reason that is the subject of today's episode is because it is one of the most famous and strange investigations ever. So let me walk you through the events the police were able to string together that led up to finding the men dead on that hillside. Miguel and Manuel lived in Campos, which is actually, interestingly enough, four hours north of Rio, where they were found dead. As I had mentioned, these two were employed as electrical engineers and repairmen in Campos. They were also close friends, as family of the individuals would later confirm. The chain of events started on the 16th of August in 1966, when Manuel had a conversation with his wife, informing her that he intended to go to Sao Paulo with his friend Miguel tomorrow so that they could buy a used car and some electronics components. He also packed up around 2 million cruceros, which is roughly about $1,000 in United States currency. This, of course, you would assume, and I'm sure his wife assumed at the time, would be to purchase the used car and the electronic parts. The next day, August 17th, Manuel and Miguel hopped on a bus and headed for Nidoro, which is a, uh, it's a part of Rio, it's like a part of the greater Rio area, um, not Sao Paulo like they had told their families. This is known through the bus ticket purchase along with corroboration from the bus driver and further sightings in Nidoro once they arrived. Uh, either plans had suddenly changed or the two men had something else in mind for this little trip. In fact, and this only came to light after a bit of questioning of those who knew the men best, their friend, another fellow electrician named Elcio, actually gave them a ride to the bus station that morning, but told police that he also thought that they were going to Sao Paulo. Then, while at the bus station, Miguel actually ran into his nephew, who would later detail the encounter to the investigators. Apparently, when the nephew asked his uncle Miguel why he was traveling all the way to Sao Paulo, over 700 kilometers away to buy a used car, Miguel cracked and confided in him that they weren't really traveling to buy a car. And even more cryptically, before getting on the bus, Miguel told his nephew that upon his return, he would reveal to him something decisive about spiritism. Now, this is an, a very important little detail that we will really delve into a bit later. But at any rate, they get on this bus and arrive in Niteroy at 2.30 in the afternoon. From there, they are seen sporadically throughout the Niteroy area. 
First, eyewitnesses placed them at an electronics store. Oddly enough, they spent some time in this store, then eventually left without, uh, without ever purchasing anything. Um, they were next seen at a clothing store where they both purchased raincoats. Um, the eyewitnesses at this store say that, you know, they purchased these coats and then ran outside into the rain, which, you know, that's why they bought the coats. But strangely enough, they didn't wait to put the coats on before running out into the rain. So people can look at this and say they were, they were rushing. They were in a hurry for some reason. Next at 435, they are seen at a bar where Miguel purchases a bottle of mineral water, which would later be found with their bodies. Another important fact is that Miguel asked for and kept the receipt, the return receipt, because he intended to later come back and return this bottle to get the money back, which is a common practice in Brazil at this time. Uh, the receipt was also found in the pocket of Miguel after their deaths, so keep that in mind. Interestingly enough, the bartender who sold them this water also mentioned to police that Miguel and Manuel both seemed to be anxious, uh, in a rush, constantly checking the time. They eventually left, back out into the rain, and a bit later, the last and probably most important sighting of the two was made by a local man named Ralino, who declared to investigators, quote, that he noticed them arriving at the foot of the Moro de Vintem Hill aboard a jeep, driven by a blonde man and in the company of another one or two men, never identified. Once they got out of the vehicle, the two began to walk up the hill where the corpses were later found. The scene had aroused his curiosity, and that he saw these two climbing up the hill when it was getting dark as the weather was further deteriorating. It was the next day, on August 18th, that a young man had first seen the bodies of Miguel and Manuel lying on the hillside. However, this young man is separate from the other young man who had found them while looking for his kite. This is because when uh, the discovery of these bodies was reported to the police officer on the 18th on that first day, that uh, officer never officially went up onto that hill to verify the deaths. And this negligence was the subject of a later, entirely separate investigation. And it has been a topic of great debate on whether or not that officer actually did go look at the bodies only to maybe steal the money off of their corpses and then, you know, never report it afterwards. Or was it that first young man that stole the money off their bodies? Or did they spend the money before they died? The interesting fact remains that, uh, you know, the roughly 2 million cruzeros um, that they had taken, only roughly 157,000 of it was still in their pockets uh, on the third day when they were finally officially analyzed by the police. Um, so that's only about $68 of the original $1,000 if you were to convert it. So where did it all go? Because they didn't spend it at the clothing store or on the water, uh, you know, they didn't officially spend it anywhere, uh, you know, we have to ask where had all this money gone, and wasn't even really important to the investigation. Furthermore, much has been made about the handwritten note that was found upon their body. Now, around their bodies. And I already mentioned that they found some mathematical equations, which was not surprising, but what I didn't mention was what was found on the other side of the paper. Now, I have crime scene photos of these notes on my Facebook page, and truly they do give you chills to read them out. So let me do so here for you now. Of course, this is all translated from Portuguese. Sunday, one tablet after the meal. Monday, one tablet in the morning on an empty stomach. Tuesday, one tablet after the meal. Wednesday, one tablet before laying down. Now, this aroused the suspicion of police immediately, as I'm sure it did for you as well. It seems like a prescription schedule, right? Like the schedule in which you take some sort of medication or drug. 
And remember, it was on Wednesday evening that the pair died, corresponding to the last line of the note that says, Wednesday, one tablet before laying down. And it should be noted that the term laying down, when translated from Portuguese, could reasonably mean bedtime or literally mean laying down. And I actually consulted a friend of mine who is a native-born Brazilian, and she took it to mean one pill before going to bed, like, decisively. So some of the understanding of what precisely is meant about about this last line is up for some speculation. Police were never, uh, never able to ascertain what kind of pill-slash-tablet they were taking, um, or if only one man was taking it, or if anything was actually prescribed to them by a doctor. The plot only thickens further when you consider the last little note that was found on the scene on a separate piece of paper that contained words in, uh, in Miguel's handwriting. And this was, At 4.30, to be in the agreed place. At 6.30, swallow the capsule after the effect. Protect the metals. Wait for the mask signal. Now, what in the world does this mean? At this point, police were becoming convinced that someone else or multiple other people were involved. It would seem that this 4.30 agreed-upon place would coincide with the sighting of them in the Jeep with the blonde driver and a couple other men. So, uh, who were they meeting? Why? And what about that last line, at 6.30, swallow the capsule after the effect? Protect the metals, wait for the mask signal. Okay, we can ascertain at this point that they were definitely ingesting some kind of pill, but is this the same pill that they had the schedule for on that other piece of paper? And then after the effect, is this the effect of the pill then? Are we to assume that the metals refers to the lead mask that they had with them? And then wait for the mask signal. Uh, they're awaiting some kind of signal. Um, some people have read into this a bit and have gotten a feeling that it was written really quickly, kind of like in short, uh, shorthand notation, kind of like Miguel was writing this down as someone was verbally giving him instructions. And that's certainly a possibility if we are to believe that other people were involved. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, okay, if there's some sort of sketchy ingestion of pills going on, let's get a toxicology report going and find out exactly what they were taking. However, because the bodies were neglected on that hillside for three days and battered by the weather, and because the coroner's office didn't have proper storage and refrigeration uh, options for the bodies, by the time that they finally got on a table for examination, degradation and decay was so advanced that it only allowed for a very superficial autopsy. Thus, a toxicology report was never carried out, with only very small assertions made about the internal organs. The examiner stated that there appeared to be no indications of intoxication or poisoning, and that there most definitely was no sign of external markings that would indicate violence or foul play in any manner. Thus, the word was given that they died of cardiac arrest through unknown causes. And we should also touch on the infamous lead masks found at the scene. Now, I also have pictures of these on my social media, but I'm sure a quick Google search could lead you to, uh, to them too as well. Uh, these are crudely made lead masks that kind of look like big blocky sunglasses. Um, and again, like I had explained before, glasses and masks don't precisely explain these things because with them you have spots for the eyes to look through, while these things were clearly made with the intention of blocking eyesight to cover the eyes. And it would later be made uh, found out that these were homemade back in compost by the men and definitely were brought along for a specific purpose. But what could that purpose be? And why lead? This brought a lot of people to the conclusion that they were using these lead masks to block out radiation, as lead is a common metal to do exactly that, block out radiation. 
but why in the world would they be expecting radiation on top of a grassy Brazilian hill? Did it have to do something with their death? And to this day, there's no indication or no report that radiation was ever found on the hill. And this will bring me to a quite interesting portion of the case. I mentioned early on uh, that at the bus station in Campos, Miguel spoke briefly with his nephew and told him that upon his return, he would tell him if he truly believed in spiritism. Now, what's spiritism, you ask? Spiritism is a sort of religion or system of belief first brought about in the late 19th century by a scholar named Alan Kardec. Through his own description, Kardec described spiritism as, quote, a science that deals with the nature, origin, and destiny of spirits and the relation with the corporeal world. He and his eventual followers believed that there is indeed a soul connected to the physical body, a soul that lives on beyond death, and that's kind of the core belief. From here, some followers insist upon reincarnation, while other followers really push the scientific aspect and the explanations that were offered by Kardec. And this subsect of spiritism is called scientific spiritism, and it is very popular in Brazil. And in fact, it is well known that both Miguel and Manuel were scientific spiritists. Uh, the scientific aspect asserts that all spiritual phenomena, all things construed as miracles, all matter beyond death such as the soul, can be explained and understood through science. We just don't have the complete capability as of yet. And when these dots were connected by investigators, it actually reminded them of another eerily similar case that occurred a few years ago. Now listen to this. In 1962, four years prior to this, the body of Hermes Luis Feitosa was found upon another hillside in the same area with a lead mask on the scene. And unlike this case, the motives behind his ascension of that hill were known. Hermes specifically intended to carry out an experiment in which he hoped to communicate and interact with television and radio signals using only his mind. He also had no easily discernible cause of death. He too was an electrician, and he too was a scientific spiritist. There are obvious connections in this case, but the precise cause of the deaths and the precise reason for the lead masks were still unknown. So the police dug a little deeper into the practice of scientific spiritism, and if it could possibly explain any of this. According to some family members of the two, both Miguel and Manuel were heavily involved in scientific experiments that could bring them closer to understanding and proving spiritism. There is one incident corroborated by neighbors and family members that took place in the backyard of Manuel's house in which he, Miguel, and then their other buddy Elcio were testing some sort of unidentified electronic equipment that violently exploded right there in the backyard. Now, no one was hurt, and evidently, evidently the pair were not discouraged, as a while later, a while on, they were back at it again, and this time on a nearby beach in which there was an even more violent explosion. And I cannot stress this enough, it was a huge explosion, so much so that it shook buildings in a 15-kilometer radius. So much so that it was picked up and investigated by the Brazilian Navy and Air Force. Several witnesses near the incident apparently would tell investigators that the explosion was accompanied by a blinding light in the sky above. What exactly were these men testing, and was any of this testing successful? The police at this time realized the importance of understanding and connecting the implications that scientific spiritism brought forward, 
it seemed that practically every electrical engineer, in fact, in Brazil, was dedicated to scientific spiritism, all part of some sort of secret cult-slash-group society thing that would meet and talk in secret. In fact, during an interview, a man by the name of Father Oscar Gonzalez Quevedo, a Brazilian scholar of parapsychology and occultism, declared Miguel and Manuel were part of a certain scientific spiritist cult that, uh, that, and that's what they were doing on the hillside. They had died during an occult experiment. It is still in question how connected Oscar was to these two men, but he claims, and I'm just going to read it word for word here, the participants should have prepared for the experiments by taking drugs to enter a trance on an empty stomach in order to induce a state of psychophysical imbalance in the body. These types of experiments would be known as PSI Gamma, in which the soul is freed to acquire a state of spiritual abstraction, and hypersthesia, in which the overexcited senses are used to capture and more, uh, uh, the more subtle aspects of reality. He goes further to claim that the, uh, that the masks were an attempt to block the blinding light emissions that would become present after uncovering this new reality or this new world. It does draw a similarity to the description of the blinding light at that explosion on the beach, right? And get this, on the night of August 17th, the night that they had died, a lady named Gracinda was driving by Vintem Hill, the same place and time that Miguel and Manuel died. When she and her children in the car remember seeing an orange-colored uh, object, a bright object, above the hill. After a few minutes of observing this object, they saw a brilliant display of blinding lights in every direction. This sighting was retold by every individual in the car with the exact same details. And with that, you have all the pieces of the story. And they are extremely strange pieces to try to put together, indeed. The big questions remain. What led them to the hillside that day? What's up with the masks? Where did the money go? Who else was involved? Where does spiritism fit into all of this? And most importantly, how exactly did they die? A year later, in 1967, Brazilian authorities, no closer to solving the case, elected to have the bodies exhumed and further tests carried out, but nothing new was garnered for their efforts. In May of 1969, the case was officially closed due to a lack of evidence, yet it still captures the minds of those today who want to get to the bottom of what precisely happened to Miguel and Manuel. So what do you think? Get your thoughts in order because I will now lay out the most common theories to explain this case, and it will culminate in my personal opinion on what really happened upon that hillside in the night of August 17th, 1966. The first common theory I will put forward here is that this was an elaborate double suicide intentionally carried out by Miguel and Manuel. More specifically, they knowingly ingested a lethal amount of some drug, then peacefully laid down upon a grassy hill awaiting their deaths. This could account for the state that they were found in, the seeming anxious and erratic nature of the men in the days preceding, and the lack of information giving, given to family members and friends. However, I bring up this theory first because I personally think it is the most unlikely. And this is for a few reasons. Firstly, the note left behind that indicated a pill before bedtime, because I am inclined to believe that that translation by my Brazilian friend indicates that they were indeed planning to go to bed on that Wednesday night. It said bedtime. That's what it. Is, that's what it meant. I assume that this, this, uh, this schedule for pill taking really truly did mean bedtime, and they planned to go to bed that night. Secondly, and perhaps more concretely. 
The return receipt for the water bottle that was found on scene irrevocably indicates that the pair intended to return the water bottle to the bar and get their money back, which they would only do if they truly, truly intended to return to the bar after their time on the hill. And additionally, nothing about their actions beforehand, nothing about reports from family members, would even slightly hint to the idea that these two wanted to end their lives. And this doesn't at all explain the lead masks found at the scene, or the bright lights seen on the hillside that night. No suicide notes left at the scene, and you also have to question the legitimacy, the legitimacy of the idea that they traveled hours and hours upon a bus to a random city onto a random hill to end their lives in an unreasonably complex and elaborate manner. The next area I will jump into is that of alien intervention, a close encounter with a third kind. And this is drawn mostly from the occult experiments being carried out and the strange UFO sighting that was seen on the hill that night. And I know it might be easy to scoff this one off really quick, but at least acknowledge this about the case. These two men were reliably known to be part of a silent cult-type group having to do with scientific spiritism, a belief system in which it is thought that through a connection to the spiritual world, communication with all types of beings out in the universe becomes possible. There are some sources that actually report the experiment that exploded in Manuel's backyard was an attempt to set up communication with the planet Mars. So if you follow the lines of thought here, it is not unbelievable to think that perhaps they actually had some intentions to communicate with some sort of extraterrestrial consciousness, and maybe there was some success. Maybe the encounter was not just communicative over a vast distance, but perhaps this encounter was much closer, maybe. Like an encounter right there on the hill. This would then explain the shining orange UFO that was reported by Mrs. Gracinda at the, at the same time and at the same location in the night sky. Maybe something about this um, communication or interaction with otherworldly consciousness led to the deaths of the men. Maybe something it was, it was something they just couldn't handle. Now, I know that was a lot of maybes, and it's pretty far-fetched. Just because something isn't easily explained doesn't mean that aliens are automatically involved. But for UFOlogists out there and conspiracy theorists, this one hits all the marks and checks all the boxes for an alien encounter. So think what you want about this possibility, but there are many out there who will defend this scenario to the end of the earth. A third and rather interesting theory as to what happened is that Miguel and Manuel succeeded in their experiment with spiritism and that they ascended into a spiritual world, leaving their physical bodies behind. This kind of relies on the interview with Father Oscar that I mentioned earlier, in which he claims he knew exactly what they were doing, trying to open up their third eye and ascend into the higher reality. And if we are to believe his assertions and we are to believe in spiritism, we do have to recognize that within spiritism, everything about this case would then be explained. The bright light seen on the hill—that's the light that uh, the brilliant, the brilliant light that's um, emitted into the atmosphere when uh, when you do open up that third eye and you open up into the spirit world. And the fact that the two men died with no bodily explanation—the um, idea that once the third eye is opened, you would have a choice of whether or not you want to stay in the physical world or ascend into the spirit world. And so, perhaps if you follow this, Miguel and Manuel made the decision to ascend. And I can at least personally recognize that, uh, you know, the coincidence here, that everything that spiritism and that spiritist experiments claim, that's kind of exactly what ended up happening. That's kind of what was seen. 
um, coming from a science background and the fact that this may have been a science experiment of sorts, we can kind of look at it in this way. Imagine you run an experiment and you expect to see certain results. You're testing that by doing A, you get B. And sure enough, you do see these results. At this point, there's only two possibilities. Either you have demonstrated that A leads to B, or you are seeing a false positive in that A led to B this time, but it was just a coincidence of sorts. So in this scenario, they were expecting results, something very similar to those results did play out, but it could be a coincidence. Maybe if you're inclined towards this theory, then you take the aforementioned route that this was a successful experiment and Miguel Emanuel somehow unlocked a passage into a different reality, something that we have never seen the likes of and something that we may never fully understand. Another more sinister theory is that this whole thing was a murder, an elaborate ruse with the intentions of killing and robbing Miguel and Manuel. This obviously asserts that yes, there were others involved. They had this all planned out. But remember, there was no physical trauma on the bodies, so I think the commonly accepted extension of this theory is that the murder was done through whatever capsule they took on that Wednesday evening. And this is something that I cannot look past. I think that there definitely were other people involved, and you know, you just have to look at the facts when you're considering this. You have the eyewitness, the last person to ever see Miguel and Manuel alive, seeing them being dropped off at that hill in a jeep the, with the blonde driver and then the other men accompanying them. You have a specific list of instructions that look like they were written down through uh, the, the, um, the dictation of another person. You have the bodies lying on the bed of leaves, leaves that were intentionally cut from nearby trees and placed there yet no sharp objects like a knife were ever found on the bodies, meaning that someone must have been there to cut those leaves and then had since left. And you have this missing sum of money as well. Although I will submit this money could have been taken by a multitude of people, including like that first young man to stumble upon them or the subsequent police officer that snuck around reporting them, or it could have been the people that set up the murder themselves in the first place. So if you follow this theory, clearly Miguel and Manuel were deceived, tricked into believing that they were about to unlock answers behind spiritism, but instead they somehow overdosed on whatever pill they took. The men responsible then took most of their money, being sure to leave some on them, perhaps to make it look like they really hadn't been robbed, and then kept quiet afterwards when police were asking people in the public to come forward if they knew anything or you know they knew the individuals in the jeep. And we did have that similar death of Hermes back in 1962, so perhaps this might have been like the second time that these murders, uh, the, that these murderers had pulled off this stunt in the same exact way. But by saying this and allowing for this possibility, we then have to acknowledge that this ruse must have started all the way back in Campos, where Miguel and Manuel lived, because they had to have been lured all the way out to Rio for that eventual murder to take place. So did the murderer accompany them to Rio, and maybe investigators never like became aware of this fact? Uh, was this a grander setup with multiple parties involved, some of which were in Campos and some of which were in Rio, communicating between themselves? Uh, but then we have to ask about the motive. What could possibly be the purpose? All of this, this huge, huge, elaborate setup. The possibility of being caught, obviously, traveling hundreds of kilometers, several people involved, just to steal less than a thousand dollars from two innocent men. Like, really, 
Like, this is where my belief in the theory kind of ends. I just personally can't get past that consideration. Something this elaborate would have to have a good purpose behind it. I mean, if you wanted to steal $1,000 off of somebody, there are 3 million easier ways to do it with less people involved, less time involved. And, you know, it just doesn't make sense. And I don't see it. Like, the lead mask, specifically, like, who would possibly come up with a murder scheme that, that that is that convoluted that you convince two men that they need to craft lead masks and travel atop this specific hill in Rio and wear business suits and, hey, let me make this bed of leaves for you. And then, you know, why would you leave them with any money at all upon their bodies? And why would you leave them with anything that could identify the men if you wanted to get away with everything? And, you know, I just don't buy it. Perhaps, perhaps Miguel and or Manuel had some dire enemies that wanted some sort of odd revenge for some reason, but until I see any evidence of that, I'm still hesitant about this one. A more recent theory put forward involves a rare weather phenomena called globular lightning. Now, some of you may have heard of this before. Essentially, globular or ball lightning is a concentrated ball of electrical energy that can range in size and altitude and is most often seen during thunderstorms. And if you remember, the night that Miguel and Manuel died, there was some pretty harsh weather that included rain and thunderstorms in the area. And again, we have that report from Mrs. Grosinda and her kids that an oval-shaped ball of light was seen floating above the hill that night before it exploded into a wild show of blinding light. Now, this was a ball lightning that they were seeing. And it was that concentrated with that violent of an explosion of electrical energy that we can surmise it might have been enough energy to actually kill the unwitting men atop the hill. They may have believed that this was bright light that they were expected to see in their spiritism experiment, so they didn't flee. And as a result, after all, all the storm settles and the sun rises the next day, you have two dead bodies with no immediately obvious cause of death, only later to be labeled as a sort of cardiac arrest, which would be seen if a large electrical pulse stopped their hearts. But here's the thing. Ball lightning is still hotly debated by scientists, with some doubting its existence entirely. Most observations of the phenomena are scattered and just based on some, you know, conjecture. And what small evidence there is of ball lightning only shows that it could be possible in extremely little concentrations in extremely specific um, environments. And, you know, only very, very small balls that are only around for a little bit of a little small time, you know, before they dissipate. So we have that casting doubt over this theory. But people who subscribe to this belief in general, uh, they say that everything here is naturally explainable that the two men lost their money by paying people to buy pills that they ingested. Um, it was nothing more than electricity that killed them. The light that was seen by Mrs. Grisinda was nothing more than an instance of ball lightning. Uh, but here I do have to point out that if we are to believe that essentially these men were struck by lightning, uh, then there would be signs of that on the body. Like, people who were struck by lightning do show these sort of, honestly, like really interesting-looking lightning scars across the body. And I'd like to think that you know, this is something that would be noted in the post-death examination, but it wasn't. And I'm not even sure I believe in ball lightning to begin with. So with that, I will culminate all this information into my own personal theory that I believe is the best explanation for this case of what happened to our poor Brazilian spiritists. <laughs> 
this is how I believe things played out, which, in the end, would prove to be an unfortunate and deadly series of chance mixed with just the right amount of mystery. I believe that Miguel and Manuel were indeed members of a secret scientific spiritist society in which they actively pursued and carried out experiments to prove their beliefs. Again, we do have family members and friends corroborating the fact that they were involved in this. And we have Miguel himself speaking with his nephew the day before he died that he was about to uncover something decisive about spiritism on his trip. So they knew what they were doing, but only to a certain extent did they know what they were getting into. That is because I do believe that they were approached by members of the society with this plan. A plan to travel to Rio atop a specific hill and ingest a specific drug or tablet with these specific lead masks in an effort to open the third eye. Miguel and Manuel, eager to jump at this opportunity, accept. Of course, they are informed the special pill slash drug is going to cost some money. Not a ton, maybe a few hundred dollars, but that's all. No problem. And this drug, I can only believe it had to have been psychedelic in nature, like, like LSD. But perhaps it was slightly altered, or perhaps it was at an insane dosage. Either way, it was not an entirely safe pill. So Miguel and Manuel pack up their things, and they head to this designated spot in Rio, just as their note says. I don't believe that that other piece of paper, the one that had the equations on one side and then the prescription schedule on the other side along the lines of you know monday one pill in the afternoon etc etc i don't think that that piece of paper had anything to do with the death i believe that that legitimately was a prescription medication schedule one because he had planned to take it that wednesday night before bedtime which i believe is the correct translation which had nothing to do with the antics on the hill and then two if this is the same drug they had ingested on that on that wednesday on the hillside that ended up killing them then why didn't it kill them on day one or day two when they're taking it? Why would they feel this sudden effect only on Wednesday, an effect that led straight to death? So yes, that paper with the equation, the schedule, it's unrelated in my mind, but the lead masks, however, are very purposeful. They were made ahead of time in preparation for the trip. And this is the part where I do tend to lean towards believing the words of Father Oscar. I do believe he had information about the society that they were a part of, and I do believe he knew exactly why they created the mask, which is the same reason that Hermes created the mask back in 62, to block the blinding light that would result from communicating with the spirit world. So they arrive in Rio, nothing is amiss. They go into an electrical parts store and look for something that they think they you know, might help them or that they might need, but they don't find it and they leave. They notice that the weather is taking a turn for the worse, so they stop by a clothing store to pick up raincoats. But they realize that they're about to be late for a predetermined rendezvous, so they run out the door in a hurry before donning their coats. They make it to this rendezvous where the fellow spiritists that are involved who know of the plan and the experiment meet them. They had previously, they brought this pill along with them, right? And they had this pill specially engineered and designed to quote unquote, unlock a state of spiritual abstraction. Miguel and Manuel rush to a bar to get some water to wash down this pill, which they had previously forgotten to do. So they keep the return receipt, like I'd mentioned earlier, with all intentions of returning the bottle. They're anxious about meeting back up with those fellow spiritists, which is why they keep checking the time. They eventually make it back to the other men, and then they pay that rather large sum of money for the pill, the pill that 
was probably not made safely, right? And they hop into this jeep that then transfers them over to that designated spot on the hill where the experiment will take place. The men relay, uh, relay information to Miguel, who then writes it down on a separate piece of paper. They make it to the hill where they then ascend and then prepare. One of the men with a sharp tool or knife thinks to cut some of the leaves and make a nice bed for them to lay down on. Then they ingest the two pills. And because the other men are no longer needed, the weather is turning, and uh, the, you know they don't maybe don't have any more pills or any more lead masks for themselves, they leave, leaving only Miguel and Manuel there. At which point, I believe they put on their lead masks, they put their hands behind their heads, and they wait for the effect. Then the drug starts to kick in, and if it is psychedelic in nature, like I believe, they began to enter, you know, this light and abstract altered state. Then eventually, after a while, they're really feeling it, and the effects of the body, you know, it fights to handle the toxicity of the drug. The heart starts to pound, um, but the consciousness of the two men is elsewhere, unconcerned with the physical world. Then, after a while, their hearts give out in an accidental overdose of whatever the concoction that was given to them. Eventually, the men responsible for giving them the drug find out about their unfortunate demise. It wasn't intentional, it wasn't planned that way, but honestly, maybe some of the spiritists involved don't think that the experiment, that the experiment was a failure at all. Maybe some of them think that Miguel and Manuel succeeded in entering the spirit world. But regardless, no one ever comes forward to take responsibility for fear of consequences. So, all is quiet. And the world is left to wonder what possibly could have happened on that hillside on the night of August 17, 1966. And while I believe my theory is solid, there is still one big mystery that I can't quite piece together. What was the light seen in the sky that night? Did it have something to do with the experiment? And what exactly did Miguel and Manuel feel or think the moments before their deaths? Did they really unlock some higher level of consciousness before their physical bodies cease to live? There is one last remarkable thing about this case that I will leave you with, one last bit of the mystery that I will you know, let you decide on what it means. So I mentioned earlier that wildlife, for some unexplained and miraculous reason, left the bodies completely untouched for almost three full days, and that was unheard of. More than that, when people, investigators, sightseers, travel to that hillside to look at where it all unfolded, on the spots where these two men lay down, there is nothing growing to this day. Nothing will grow. It refuses to grow. There's grass, wildlife, plants all around that hillside. But right there on those two spots, nothing. And this has never been explained. Is there something going on beyond the physical plane? Something that we can't see, touch, or analyze? Something that perhaps Miguel and Manuel went searching for and just may have found? I'll leave that up to you. And with that final thought, I will go ahead and bring this episode to a close. For all the question marks in this case, I really truly believe that an unintentional death through overdose of some kind of drug is the culprit. I do believe it was the result of two experimental men on a quest for knowledge, and on that quest they ran into, let's just say, a bit of bad luck. Let me know what you guys think about this case, this episode, and this podcast as a whole over on my Facebook. Again, it's just simply History's Great Mysteries on Facebook, where I would love to hear your feedback and personal theories. 
regardless i hope you guys have enjoyed today's episode i certainly had a lot of fun making it like i said this was an incident that i have known about and followed for years and i really enjoyed getting into the bones of the research to uncover you know what might have happened as usual i will be back in two weeks with another episode so until then stick with it guys and stay curious i'll see you next time